good morning, everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition uh, on Taste Life Radio, KUHS Denver streaming live. Um, and we're super, super grateful to have Henry here with us um, doing his job back in the back. Um, and so today is just you and me. Today we just get to talk a little bit about um, a pretty controversial topic. It's one that's a little bit near and dear to my heart. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's one of those that a lot of people have a lot of differing opinions on, and it's all based in science. Um, some of it's old, some of it's new. So that's the stuff we want to talk about. But first, um, gratitude. Actually, no. First, what is this show about? So if this is your first time tuning in, um, my, I'm a functional nutritionist. Taste Life Nutrition is my company. It's my, my little practice. And, um, you know, the goal of this show is to have a lot of fun, but talk about truth. We want to talk about the science um, of nutrition. We want, we want to talk about the science of health. We want to talk about what it is to be well and what it is to be your own advocate and what it is to find truth in the science. Um, and, you know, all of this is to empower you to dig into who you are, what you need for you, because you're, you're, you're unique. I can't talk. You're unique, you're different than everybody else. The same thing is not good for you, that's good for other people and vice versa. So we really want to just empower you to take action, be your own advocate, find the information. The things that I say here is all as truthful as I know it to, to, to be to the best of my ability based in the science and based in facts, which we know changes on a daily basis, right? It changes all the time. And that's what science is about. So I give you the science that I know to be the best science today. I also want to give you what, what can be both sides of, of a story when, when the time is right. So um, we're going to dig into that, but right now, gratitude. And I think that what I'm really grateful for today is the beauty that this country gives to us in, um, in the landscape, right? So what I mean by that is we went to Utah um, and, uh, you know, went to Zion, you know, National Park, and it was beautiful and it was amazing. And just the country, the, the, all of the amazing mountains and cliffs, and I just can't even, if you've not been to Utah, you have to go and just drive through it. So, you know, from here in Denver, it was a nine, nine and a half hour drive. So that's, we literally did not turn the radio on. We talked, we took pictures, we looked at the scenery because it is fascinating. One of the things we did though on the way is we went to a place called Canyon of the Ancients Guest Ranch. This is the coolest spot. And if you need a place to go, since we're sort of, you know, here in our world and we're not doing a lot of traveling outside of the country, um, you know, this is an amazing place. The owners are Gary and Ming Adams, and it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. So you have guest homes, and you have um, all of the animals, you know, longhorns and sheep and chickens, and everything's grass-fed and, you know, well cared for. And it's, I, I don't remember, several thousand acres. It's gorgeous. So if you want to go somewhere to get away, and, you know, it's going to be warmer there, you know, southwest, uh, southwest Colorado. Go and check it out. And I, I brought this because I wanted to show you. So this is a book. It's a Spirits of the Stone. We had to get it because it is all of the um, ancient writings of these ancient people. It's, it's fascinating. And so this is a book that was written by Gary and Ming. Um, and a lot of these ancient, uh, you know, drawings are on their property. Uh, they and they found a whole city on their property that nobody had seen before. So um, go check it out. It's it's really amazing. So that's what I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for good people, for the beauty of this country. Um, and you know, we all have our we've got our faults, but the landscape is amazing. Oh, got my earrings there too. These are amazing. So these were uh, made by a Navajo, um, and. Uh, you know, the jewelry is beautiful. I could just spend all the time there. So anyway, check it out. That's what I'm grateful for. Um, so what we want to talk about today is, I think, as I said, is near and dear to my heart. So I want to give a little bit of history. We're going to talk about cholesterol, um, if you didn't already know that. Um, and there are so many different viewpoints and opinions and research on cholesterol 
what's what is good cholesterol is cholesterol good what's bad cholesterol what is HDL? What is LDL? What does all, all that mean? Should someone be on statins if they have higher cholesterol? Should they not be on statins? So I want to dig into that, but a little bit of history on uh, on why this is near and dear to my heart. So, so you know a little bit about me. Um, I've been vegetarian. I've been vegan. I think I was vegetarian for about five years. I was vegan for about a year. The reason I went vegan, this was before I went to nutrition school, the reason I went vegan was because my dad read this book, okay? He read this book uh, by Caldwell Esselstyn called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. Um, and so I wanted to know what it was like to be a true vegan and if it was a good thing for, for me. I was experimenting, right? And I still do that. <laughs> experiment on myself constantly. So... Um, when I decided to go to nutrition school, you know, it's a, it was a two-year program, and the entire time, as I, well, when I first started, you know, it was within the first, I don't know, few months of nutrition school that I realized that because of the data, this is all based on data, that being vegan is not a lifestyle. It might be therapeutic, and it, it, well, I say it is therapeutic. It can be a therapeutic diet, but it's not a lifestyle, okay? Um, and so with that said, what I knew was at the end of my coursework that my thesis was going to be based on this book because I wanted to prove or disprove what the book was about, which is the way he prevents heart disease. And so just a little background, um, he... It's been a while since I read the book, but essentially no fat, no fat. This, that's your first problem right there, but no fat. He does use statins and he does, he, this is a, it was a handful of his patients. I think it was 12 patients that, that he wrote this book on. So not a large study. Um, he had, um, some good success, right? Um, but you know, there are no nuts and no seeds and no avocados and no real food. And he used statins and he, there were people that they were in, excessively chronic. Like the doctor said, go home, you know, I need, you know, put your things in order because there's nothing else that we can do. And he did bring them back, right? But he is also saying that this should be a lifestyle, which is, that's the, that's the main part that I don't agree with. And we'll dig into that. So with that said, my thesis was written on this book. Um, and the other thing I want to make sure of is that my goal in this conversation is that you know that I am not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice, but it's it's uh, it's a hope that maybe you learn some things. If you don't, great, and you take it and you run with it and do what you feel you need to do with it, right? So you take the information, you do your own research. It's why I brought in some books that you can use as resources, um, and you know, and, and dig into it for yourself. Find the practitioners who you trust who are going to give you the best advice um, based on what you know. So take what I say, do your own research. You have to be, I have to be, we all have to be our own advocate. We have to do as, we have to learn as much as we can or find someone who's trusted who can help guide us in, in those situations. Um, you know, cholesterol, as I said, it's, you know, what did it, we all know what it is but what it does, how it reacts in the body, what it's, what, what, what we need it for. Those are all the things that can be, you know, fairly con controversial. So, um, all right, let's move into, um, you know, what cholesterol is. And so most of the cholesterol that we form in our body is literally formed by the body. We get very little cholesterol from the diet. So when somebody tells you don't eat eggs because it's high in cholesterol, it's not going to affect your cholesterol, not your serum cholesterol, right? So the liver makes most of your cholesterol. There are other cells that make some cholesterol as well. So most of your cholesterol is made by the body. Very small amount may, may affect uh, serum cholesterol, but like almost none, okay? So eggs are fine. Eggs are good for you unless you have sensitivities to them, right? This is not a blanket statement for everybody, but eggs are good for some. Uh, they are not going to affect your cholesterol, um, but they are not good for people who have allergies to eggs or sensitivities to eggs. So know your body, right? Okay, so um, a couple of things that I think we want to talk about that's, that I think is really important 
in, in starting this conversation is understanding LDL and HDL. Because what we hear in mainstream medicine, mainstream media, we hear it everywhere. And I'm so tired of hearing this. It makes me crazy. But what we hear is LDL cholesterol is bad. HDL cholesterol is good. Now, for one, HDL is not a cholesterol. LDL is not a cholesterol. HDL and LDL are carriers of cholesterol. That's all they are. They're carriers of cholesterol. So LDL carries cholesterol to the tissue. So cholesterol is utilized by brain tissue for cellular integrity, for making, um, making uh, uh, steroid hormones, uh, brain health, all kinds of stuff, right? So having cholesterol brought to the tissues is very important. We have to have cholesterol coming in to our tissues, okay? What HDL does is it carries cholesterol away from the tissues. So cholesterol can become oxidized, which is a problem, so we want it removed. And, and so then the HDL takes it in order to be recycled or to be eliminated, right? So we have to have both of those. And so the reason they say we need more HDL, which is, you know, probably accurate, or it is accurate, is because HDL carries away that oxidized L, uh, oxidized cholesterol. That's important, okay? But understanding how important it is to have both of those. Now, what's also just as important is when we have a, say we have a comprehensive metabolic panel uh, run, which gives us a full lipid panel, or if it's just a full lipid panel, doesn't matter. Usually what it looks like, or what it looks at, is going to be LDL, HDL, total cholesterol, triglycerides, um, and maybe VLDL, right? VLDL being very low, uh, very low density lipoprotein. So all of those things are important, but it doesn't give us the entire story. Far from it, okay? So what's important when we're looking at cholesterol is looking at what we call the particle size. So the particle size of cholesterol is not something that's typically run on a comprehensive metabolic panel. Um, and, uh, you know, some practitioners run it. Mostly when I see it run is, and this is only my little practice, you know, what my little world would I see. But most of the time it's run, uh, I think the cardiologists run it, but it's mostly run in functional medicine. Um, and I run it. When I have somebody who is concerned about, you know, their cardiovascular risk factors, they have family history of cardiovascular disease, then we want to look at the, the, the particle sizes to truly understand what the cholesterol is that's going on in their body, okay? So when I say that, what we're looking at, let's see, I have a note here. I want to make sure I'm giving you all of the information that I want to give you. Um, so when we're looking at particle sizes, um, what we want to see, and it shows in the numbers, is we have HDL that can have, that's supposed to have, they call it large buoyant particles, okay? Same with LDL. We want them to be large buoyant article, uh, particles. So what can happen though, due to excess sugar, due to unhealthy fats and oils, say canola oil, you know, the American Heart Association recommends canola oil saying it's heart healthy. I'm gonna tell you, don't have to believe me, do the research yourself. Canola oil is incredibly and excessively inflammatory. You must stay away from canola oil. I cannot express that enough. Very important, important to stay away from canola oil. And then all other vegetable oils. You got your oils, you got your cottonseed oil, uh, you know, your vegetable oils, your corn oil, all of those are incredibly toxic. So just don't do it, right? And we'll get into the foods here in a little bit. Um, but I think it's, an, it's important to note, and it, I have heard it on, you know, Pandora, the commercials on Pandora, as recently as, I don't know, six months ago or something, talking about, you know, the commercials saying canola oil is heart healthy. Oh, it's awful stuff. Okay. Um, so... What can happen due to these nasty oils and sugar, they all create inflammation. Inflammation takes those particles and it oxidizes them. So those particles can end up being small and dense. So they're small, dense particles, they're oxidized, that creates an atherogenic type of cholesterol, okay? So looking at those numbers, understanding the, the inflammatory markers, really important to understand inflammatory markers. There are multiple inflammatory markers um, because if you have inflammation, 
then your um, then it can create atherogenic cholesterol particles. Okay, so know your particle sizes. Don't just look at this. This the the meta, the lipid panel is good, but it's not the whole story. And that's what we want. And that's what we do. It's what I do in functional nutrition. It's what functional medicine does. Um, and and you know more and more people are you know practitioners are moving into really trying to understand what's the underlying cause. But that's what functional medicine, functional nutrition is based in. It's the underlying cause. Why do you have the the oxidized uh, small dense particles? What's the inflammation coming from? Could it be infection? Could it be, you know, a number of things? You know, so often I see infection, but is it the foods you're eating? You know, um, like I said, the fats and the sugars create lots and lots of inflammation. Okay, so um, let's see. A couple of things I want to make sure that, that we talk about is how important it is cholesterol is. Um, it's uh, important for hormone production, digestion, the manufacture of vitamin D, um, and then your cell membranes. So those are the things that we kind of covered. I just want to make sure that, um, that I'm, I'm hitting all points here. Okay, let's see. Moving on. So I think we already hit all of that. We did hit all of that. Okay, let's move on. So um, let's talk about the, you know, the role of how cholesterol isn't necessarily indicative of cardiovascular disease. One thing that I think is really important in, in, in making a point is half the people who present in the um, emergency department have normal cholesterol levels. Half. Okay? And that's, that's fact. So that should bring questions up just in and of itself. Okay? Um, Let's see. One of the things here, oh, so going back to the eggs, when we're talking about how eggs are not an issue, it's been you know decades that we've we've vilified eggs and vilified fat. I mean, decades, right? And it's a huge problem. And I think, and even though you know, so you know, kind of going back in history a little bit, you know, I think it was the '50s where, and I, if you want to really understand the history of fat, here's another resource for you. It's the Big Fat Surprise. Um, Nina Teicholz, um, I did, she was part of, uh, when I did my research on my thesis, um, the big fats, I'm going to show it to you again, because I'm going to put it up. That's a good one. and gives you a lot of history on how fat was politicized, um, why we had the low fat craze. And just for your information, as we had the low fat craze, people went low fat thinking it was going to help cardio, their cardiovascular disease or prevent cardiovascular disease it actually was on the rise. So more and more people are, are, are dealing with cardiovascular events, which is, you know, include stroke, um, and, and dying from them, right? I mean, it's, it's the low-fat craze, low-cholesterol craze is not helping people. Okay, so um, let's see. My notes here are too small, <laughs> so this is a problem for me. <laughs> I need to be able to see. Um, so, I think what's one of the one of the other things that I want to make sure that we hit too is when we talk about saturated fat. Saturated fat is um, again, along with all fats, has been terribly, terribly vilified. And if we dig into that just a little bit, we can have saturated fat that's inflammatory. So if we think about, if you go back and listen to uh, in any of the shows that I've done or Facebook Lives or any of that stuff on meat, so we can have meat that is 100% grass-fed, that is healthy. I'm not going to go into all the details because it's you can find the information on any of my other shows. But um, healthy grass-fed meat has saturated fat in it. But it's it's a healthy fat because the animal has a nice healthy balance of their omega three and omega six fatty acids. Omega three being a per precursor to anti-inflammatory parts of the uh, the immune system, essentially. Um, omega six being the precursor to the pro-inflammatory part of the immune system. Both needed, both necessary, and we need that balance. And so, if we take an animal off of grass and put it onto grain and the feeds, the, the foods that are not natural to this animal, it's not what they're supposed to eat. It creates ob obesity. It also creates more marbling. So that marbling that's going through the muscle that we always talk about is is 
amazing and makes it great food, which is true. Fat is yummy. But this is not a healthy fat, and it's not a healthy saturated fat because there's an imbalance of the omega-3 You've got and omega-6. You've got too much omega-6 creating too much inflammation, and so that inflammation literally transfers to us. We get more omega-6, which creates more inflammation. So we have to be aware that, you know, like coconut oil. Coconut oil is high in saturated fat, um, but it's not it doesn't mean it's unhealthy. I think for most people, it's very healthy. Genetically, though, some of us may not be able to handle as much saturated fat. So we have to take into consideration genetics, which is why we're unique. We need to know who we are in order to know what's best for us. Um, and so, you know, saturated fat being vilified is, is uh, it's a problem because it's not a bad thing. One of the most interesting things, and this is what uh, I got out of this book, this book right here is the book, if you take any book to read, this is the book to read. It's easy, um, it's Dr. Steven Sinatra, he's a, he's a cardiologist, he's a medical doctor. This book, the, uh, the Great Cholesterol Myth, is an amazing book. You can see all of my notes here and here. I could read it over and over again. It's, it's, it's a super, it's just so informative, gives you so much information. But, you know, the studies show, and remember, we always want to get a clear picture or a complete picture. But studies show that saturated fat raises LDL. So everybody freaks out. Oh, we can't raise our LDL. But what it actually does is it raises the large, buoyant, uh, uh, large buoyant LDLs. It doesn't raise the small, dense, oxidized LDLs. So it's protective. Raising those, the LDL that's large and buoyant is protective. So when we only hear that saturated fat's bad for us and it increases our LDL, everybody gets afraid. But you always, you know, you hear me say it all the time. And the people I bring in always ask why. Always ask why and, and, and dig because not everything's black and white. There's always some gray. There's always more to the story. Okay. So um, check that out. Okay. So, um, couple of points that I want to make here that, uh, that are data points that I think are really important in sort of continuing to make the point when it comes to the, the need for cholesterol um, is adults over the age of 60 with higher LDL levels generally, generally live longer. So I'm going to say that again so because I want you to hear it. Adults over the age of 60 with higher LDL levels generally live longer. Okay. Another point being total cholesterol levels are generally not predictive of the risk of heart disease and may be absent or inverse in many studies. Okay? Uh, this is another good one. Few adults who experience familial hypercholesterolemia uh, die prematurely. Okay? So what we need to understand is we genetically may have high cholesterol levels doesn't mean it's bad. You still need to know your particle size. You need to understand your health fully and completely. But just because you have high cholesterol in your family and you have high cholesterol now doesn't mean it's bad. Dig in and look. Another thing that I want to make a really big point of is yes, you may genetically be more susceptible to heart disease, but there's a very small percentage of genetics that actually plays a role. This is more epigenetics. So we've talked about epigenetics before. We have our genome, so it's our eye color, skin color, those things that don't typically change. Um, then we have our epigenome, which are locations on top of genes, essentially, right, that have the ability to turn on and off due to lifestyle. Lifestyle is key because that's what makes a difference in in all that we do in, in our health and in our wellness and in, in everything, lifestyle is key. So you may be predisposed genetically or epigenetically. You may have what's called SNPs. Uh, SNPs is short for single nucleotide polymorphism. You can kind of think of it as, um, you know, a mutation, although that's, it's not truly accurate, but it's helpful to kind of understand it that way. Um, but you may have SNPs that, that increase your risk for cardiovascular disease, but what's going to take that risk down is diet, lifestyle, exercise, not too much, not too little, uh, stress reduction, um, uh, you know, keeping toxins off of your skin and out of your environment. All of those things are, are key to decreasing 
and sort of overriding that epigenetic potential. And that's all that it is, it's epigenetic potential. You have the potential, whatever it might be, it might be autoimmune disease, it might be the inability to absorb vitamin D, which I see all the time, um, all of those things, okay? So you have this epigenetic potential that you have the ability, for the most part, to override due to your lifestyle. This is amazing, really, because what it does is it gives you um, it gives you so much control and empowers you to take care to it empowers you to 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 learn who you are, but it also puts the accountability on you. You know, you can't blame it on your genetics. You can't blame it on um, you know bad luck or old age or whatever it is. You, it's it's up to you to to do the things that you need to do to to mitigate. Uh, you know, some of the steps that you might have, right? Okay, quick break. Um, so I can make sure that I'm hitting everything that I'm supposed to. So first I want to talk about um, uh, uh, the, wow, I'm losing my words, the challenge. So the picture that we have up here, and I'm going to tell you, I forgot to update this. We actually moved the date back to October 5th. Um, it's our first one. So, you know, just trying to, it's a kind of a challenge getting through some of these new things. But um, this week, uh, I put up our uh, our link to the challenge. So it's a you might recognize some of the people in this photo. This is uh, Dr. Lynn and Dr. Sam McDonald. They have a show on tomorrow, and I'll be on their show with them tomorrow. And we'll be talking um, again about this this program that we're doing. So we're doing the five day, day challenge that leads up to this really amazing program that has a lot to do with the stuff that we're talking about today. Um, but the five-day challenge itself is just a free sort of a, a, a look into what it is that, that, you know, really digging in deep into who you are, right? This isn't something that is a general overall for everybody. It helps you look at you so you can understand what it is that you need. Um, and so starting October 5th, not September 21st, sorry about that. Uh, but starting October 5th is when we're going to start this challenge. So you can go to this link, this bit.ly link, um, and register for that. And, you know, we're, we're going to have, you know, Facebook Lives and questions and answers and all of the fun stuff. So we'd love to have you as a part of that. Uh, the three of us are doing this together. And so we've had an amazing time doing it. It's been a huge learning process for sure, but it's been a lot of fun. So uh, go to that. We'd love to see you um, take part in that. Um, also want to talk about Rightful. So Rightful is a supplement company that I I love and I appreciate. They are a pain management supplement. Uh, it's turmeric and some CBD and um, some ashwagandha and some uh, different things to help uh, support pain. It helps to support sleep. It helps to support focus. Um, it's a really great product. It's a liquid product based in coconut uh, milk tastes good um, and it's a morning and an, and an evening and it really is you know it's one of those things um, that is so well received and works so well that it's being sold in pain management clinics um, which is awesome I mean this is where we start to cross over thankfully allopathic medicine with you know more functional you know functional foods is really what this is um, and it works beautifully so you can go to rightful rightful.com and put in the code TLN, TLN20 like taste like nutrition TLN20 and uh, you can get a discount on your first uh, your first order so uh, check them out okay let's move on and I want to talk a little bit about statins and so this is this is kind of a hard one because what what s drugs have a place I am fully on board with drugs having a place in our society. They are, they can save lives. They are, they are really important in a lot of situations, but I do believe that they're overused. And I also believe um, that there are situations when money plays too big a part in this. And so one of the, one of the, the quotes that I have here is it's an interesting one but you know it's like again this is this is from a review so this is not me evidence supporting the use of cholesterol lowering statin drugs to lower your risk of heart disease is slim to none um and is likely more uh more than the manufactured work of statin makers at least that's the implied conclusion of a scientific review published in the expert review of clinical pharmacology 
in 2018. Okay, um, I'm going to finish reading this. I think it's important. The 2018 review identified significant flaws in three recent studies published by statin advocates. Okay, who are statin advocates? Usually the statin, statin companies, right? Um, attempting to validate the current dogma. The paper presents substantial uh, evidence that total cholesterol and low-density lipoprotein uh, LDL cholesterol levels are not an indication of heart disease risk and that statin treatment is of doubtful benefit as a form of primary prevention for this reason. Now, that's a really important uh, point right there is the primary prevention. So, primary prevention meaning you have not had a cardiovascular event, you have been diagnosed with high cholesterol, right, whatever that means to whomever. I didn't get to tell you when I was like 20, I don't know, 23, 24, 25, they, my cholesterol was a little bit elevated and they recommended statins to me. I was floored, of course I didn't do it. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's just, it still kind of just makes me just crazy angry to even think about that. But primary prevention, um, is when you have not had a cardiovascular event, okay? So part of, is it part of one of the, I guess one of the reasons too that I, I decided to do the show today on cholesterol was I had a friend come to me who um, is a young guy, younger guy, and he's been on statins now for four years. And he, um, his levels are, are, are increasing, and he's trying to figure out why, and they want to raise his, his dosing. So, you know, we had this discussion, kind of like what I'm doing, you know, with you right now. I had the discussion about what cholesterol is, why we do it. But the thing that we need to make sure that you're understanding as I go through this and as I told him is you listen to the information and you make your choices, right? I'm not here to change your mind. I'm here to give you the information backed by science, okay? Um, and so in, in moving forward with that, what, what, in what I've read, and it's in this book, in my understanding, is probably in this one too. This is another one by Stephen Sinatra, Reverse Heart Disease Now, okay? Um, I love Stephen Sinatra. I think he is absolutely amazing at what he does. You can follow him. Um, I have, you know, no ties to him at all, except I just think he's super cool. Um, but when statins and what he says when he uses statins is when somebody has already had a cardiovascular event, okay? That's when it's necessary. The interesting thing about statins is, you know, they can create lots of problems, and we'll get into some of those things. They'll create lots of problems, but it is anti-inflammatory. So statins bring down... Uh, they bring down the, the, the cholesterol, but they're also anti-inflammatory. So when you have somebody who has had a cardiovascular, cardiovascular event, there's obvious inflammation, which needs to be addressed. And so, um, and I also believe that if a, there, there, you know, the rules and the, the laws that have to be followed when someone's had a cardiovascular event and it is written that I'm pretty sure that this this is correct. I'm no longer in the hospital. I've been in pharma. I sold pharmaceuticals, um, but I'm I'm pretty sure that there is a standard of care where if you've had a cardiovascular event, you have to prescribe um, statins. I think you have to do it. If you don't, I think there's potential for a lawsuit. I believe that's right. But I think it's it's that's a time when maybe statins are important. Um, is is after a cardiovascular event. What I don't know if it's necessary long term. I think I think they do it long term, and maybe it is. Um, and that's that's just something that I don't know. So, again, going and, and understanding for yourself and for your own needs, and 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 what what your body requires, and going to people who who you trust to give you um, the right and the solid information. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the dangers of statins. Um, at this point, <laughs> this is crazy. It's showing, uh, drugs.com show that there are 35 million people on statins, um, and they often experience side effects. Um, it's just what they do. I'll tell you, my dad's on a statin. He, so he had a stent placed, and, of course, they put him on a statin. Again, I think that's standard, standard of care. Um, but severe fatigue, severe fatigue is what he's experienced and so um you know he's working through that but it's it's hard and that's that that is what happens and so um some doctors before being put on statin will want to want to do a baseline uh a liver panel 
which I think is important because what statins do is they're stopping, you know, the liver, we talked about this, the liver produces um, cholesterol. And so statins are going to affect the production of cholesterol in the liver. And so, um, you know, it, they can create liver damage. Um, and so your liver enzymes may go up. If liver enzymes go up, it's cellular death, right? Die, uh, there are hepatic cells that are dying. So, um, you know, that's not really something you want. You want your liver fully intact as you know, best as you can. Um, it's pretty important for detoxification and, and so forth. So um, other things that, that people can experience, headaches, muscle pain, lower back pain, side pain, congestion, stuffiness, runny nose, sleep, uh, sleep difficulty, constipation, hoarseness. Um, and this is an interesting one. Let's see. There's a, let's see, there's a 20, an April 2018 study found lowering cholesterol levels in men could bring about changes in nerve cell membranes and behavior. That's a big deal. Um, so a couple of things that, that statins do. So, and this is an important one. So um, there is a pathway called the mevalonate pathway. And so it, it, it interrupts this pathway. And what this pathway does is it, it's, it's, so here, reading my notes, diverse class of over 30,000 biochemicals, or I'm sorry, biomolecules. And so in looking at this, um, it's, the, the production of our uh, steroid hormones. So if you're on a statin, this is why it was so alarming when a young man is put on a statin drug, um, your stero it, it interrupts steroid, horm steroid hormone production. These are your sex hormones, right? So what can happen? Your libido can, can start to <laughs> shrivel up. <laughs> Sorry, make myself laugh. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and so, you know, and, it, and it, it's also an antioxidant. So cholesterol is 25% of cholesterol is in your brain. So it's an antioxidant. It fights uh, infection. So, and, you know, and, uh, it's mostly, so it does, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about HDL too because I really want to dig in a little bit to HDL um, by itself. But um, it also... So it's going to, you know, it's going to block cholesterol that goes to your brain. It's necessary for transmission of neurotransmitters, and it blocks the production of CoQ10. CoQ10 is the most important antioxidant for your heart. So CoQ10 supports the mitochondria. The mitochondria are our, um, our cells that produce ATP, which is energy. So the energy that we need for for you know, our biochemical processes, all of them. And so you have more mitochondria in, in, in uh, muscles and in organs that are used more regularly, right? So the heart is the, is the organ that is pumping constantly. It is used all the time. So it has the most amount of mitochondria per cell. And if we don't get CoQ10 to these mitochondria, then they're not able to make the energy that they need to make. CoQ10, this is why if you're on a statin and you're not taking CoQ10, it's a huge problem. You must take it. Talk to your doctor. It's totally fine. You should. But understand if you're taking a statin, CoQ10 is an absolute must. You need a good quality. Um, I've got my dad, I think, on 300 milligrams of CoQ10 right now. But it is an absolute must. Okay. So um, let's see, what else? So this is kind of going back to what I said a few minutes ago. Because of this pathway, statins are anti-inflammatory and decrease blood viscosity. Um, this is key too. Studies have shown no benefit of statins in women. In this book, it says statins make women stupid, <laughs> which just kind of makes me crack up a little bit. But it's true because it, the, the way that it affects us, you know, we're different than men. We just are. And the way that, that statins affect women is different than, a way, than the way that it affects men. And we don't do well with statins. Women don't do well with statins. So please get this book. Do your research. Learn about this stuff. It's important stuff. Okay. Um, I'm thinking, so I want to touch on this a little bit. I have a bunch of notes here, but I want to make sure that I'm not running out of time because... <laughs> I could talk about this stuff forever, um, but you know, statins are problem, or can be a big problem with uh, with people, for, with for people with diabetes, um, and you know, it's a it's one of those things where uh, you've got 
you know, a diabetic who has probably, you know, multiple risk factors in, right there, their risk for cardiovascular disease and events goes up because of diabetes. Statins don't necessarily, aren't, aren't going to necessarily be the way to go. And so I want to um, just read a couple of things to you uh, to make sure that we hit on uh, the right things. Sorry, I'm reading my notes here. Okay. The trend for prescribing statin drugs is concerning and is particularly relevant to diabetics whose underlying disease increases their risk of heart disease. Um, so putting uh, a diabetic on statins uh, can increase, so general, there are general um, uh, symptoms that it can increase. So it can be sensitivity to sensory stimuli, urinary tract infections, dizziness, things like that. So it can be a lot of GI issues be metabolic issues, so abnormal abnormal liver function tests, hyperglycemia, uh, hepatitis, anorexia, so forth, musculoskeletal, so joint pain, swelling, myalgia, elevated creatine, uh, phosphokinase, uh, you know, things like that. So cardiovascular, death in up to 10% of patients contributes to heart disease. Okay, so statin's not necessarily the way to go for diabetics. This is a lifestyle condition, okay? So we, and this is type two, this is adult onset, which is now also child onset. But, um, but again, I'm telling you the information, look it up for yourself, okay? All right, so one of the things here um, that I think is, and we kind of hit this already, but it's, you know, it's this overprescription of statins. Statins have their place absolutely have their place. But, you know, what, what we need to understand is before we go and put somebody on a statin as primary prevention, somebody just with high cholesterol and no cardiovascular event, it's lifestyle modification, it's diet, it's understanding the good healthy fats to eat, limiting, uh, limiting or eliminating sugar and carbohydrates, you know, your breads and your pastas and things like that. Um, and that's why we have people like me, people who are in functional medicine who understand that lifestyle plays a huge role in this process, okay? Okay, um, so we talked a little bit about saturated fat. I think we sort of jumped the gun on that a little bit, which is totally fine. Um, I think we had its place, but understanding that fat, saturated fat is not the demon here in this at all. Um, and so what what this research is showing is deficiencies of ex, in ex and excesses of certain micronutrients like folate, vitamin E, zinc, um, which may result in an ineffective or excessive inflammatory response. So if we're nutrient deficient, that can be a huge problem for us. So every, almost every client that I see is deficient in vitamin D, and vitamin D plays a huge role in everything that we do. Um, it is considered a hormone at this point because it's, uh, it's so important in all of the things that we do. So know your D levels. I always check D levels before I supplement with D. Um, if you have, um, if, for, for normal people, normal people, you know what I mean, but with, without autoimmune conditions, you wanna look at being right around 70 or 80. Um, and that, that would be your number. And so when you look at your number and if it's below 70, below 60, you need to supplement. You need to understand, is it genetics that's creating this problem, right? Are you, are you not able to hold on to your vitamin e, D because of your genetics? If you have an autoimmune condition, then you need to be right around 100. So you need that vitamin D support. And that's another point that I want to make. I don't know if it's later in my notes here, but it doesn't matter. So we're talking about HDL and the importance of HDL. HDL plays a huge role in the immune system. So if HDL is too low, then it's not doing its job of removing excess oxidized cholesterol. If it's too high, like over 80, so know this because this is not a situation where the higher the better. And I've seen my clients come in who are sitting at 80 or 100 and everybody's like, yay, your HDL is amazing when what actually is happening is there's a problem. It's an immune response, it's too much. So you're sitting over 80 
what I start to think is autoimmune disease, autoimmune disease. What's happening? What's going on here? Why is the why is HDL playing such a such a big role here? There's a problem. Okay, so that's a really really important point to to understand when you get your lipid panel done. This is why you know a basic lipid lipid panel without particle sizes is helpful. You know, I can start to look at okay, I'm seeing HDL at 100, um, then. I need to start looking at other places. What's happening? What's going on here? Okay. Um, that's that detective work and understanding the underlying processes and conditions that are that, that the body might be dealing with. Um, so making sure that um, you are, uh, you know, eating, you know, the good healthy foods, lots of vegetables, no matter who you are, no matter your genotype, lots of vegetables is very, very important. Making sure that you're getting the supplements that you need, testing, this is why we test, so we know how your body's functioning, why it's functioning as, as it is, okay? Um, let's see, so this is interesting. Uh, this, the, the title here, here is, high cholesterol could lead to a longer life. Go figure, it's not what we're told, right? So um, a couple other things I wanna read to you. According to a Japanese study published in the Annals, Annals, <laughs> Annals of Nutrition and Metabolism, Older people with high LDL cholesterol generally live just as long as and maybe outlive people with low LDL. Very important, okay? Um, so, and another important point to this is, is, is while the reasoning behind it, they're still trying to understand the reasoning behind it, um, there are some factors that could be at play, which is cholesterol may protect against infections and atherosclerosis as the many observations that conflict with the LDL receptor hypothesis may be explained by the idea that high serum cholesterol and high LDL is protective against infection and atherosclerosis. So all of that to say that LDL also is protective. So if there's an infection going on, you need to have LDL and HDL to, to, to help to protect and to be an antioxidant and help against uh, infection. Um, and so levels lower than 160 have increased likelihood of infection and dying from infection, okay? Um, the body's very precise um, at, at regulating cholesterol. It knows what it's doing. So how much do we really want to interfere with that, okay? As long as we are watching our lifestyle decisions. LDL has the inability, inab LDL has the ability to inactivate more than 90% of harmful bacteria in the body. Huge, that's huge. Um, let's see, cholesterol may protect against cancer. Um, let's see, there's, okay, so low cholesterol below 180, and this is total cholesterol, um, and violence in psychiatric patients have been linked. There's also an association between low cholesterol and suicide dating back more than a decade. Okay, so you know we're looking at cholesterol um, affecting our brain because there's so much cholesterol that the brain needs and utilizes. Okay, I think most of this we have been through. So yeah, I guess additionally, um, which is an, a really important point, another thing that's on the rise, Alzheimer's disease. What a scary condition, right? It's a really scary disease. Lots and lots, lots and lots of factors play into the development of Alzheimer's disease and dementia. It's not going to be just one thing. There are many factors. But understanding Alzheimer's disease can be reversed. So know this. If you're dealing with it, if you have a family or friend, a family member or friend dealing with Alzheimer's, know that there is the ability for it to be, be reversed. Okay? Um, this is fairly new, but it's happening. Uh, so no, find somebody who can help you, okay? Um, and so, high, let's see. A number of studies have demonstrated that the importance of higher cholesterol for the prevention of, of Alzheimer's, um, it, sorry, I'm not reading this very well, but higher cholesterol can help to prevent and safeguard the brain, right? Protecting from, from Alzheimer's disease. Um, I think I want to skip over this. I'm really afraid I'm going to run out of time here. Um, but when I think, you know, this section here, we're talking about iron and iron overload. A lot of people, you know, we, when we talk about iron and we see iron, we get, you know, our labs done and we get our iron tested. 
we, you know, we typically think of anemia, we don't have enough iron. And it's, it's particularly, particularly prevalent in menstruating women. Um, and then, of course, those who don't eat red meat. So what is really more of a problem, though, is iron overload. Which So if, if, if you have iron overload, iron can be oxidized, which is inflammatory, and it can create a really big problem. So um, that can, it can be genetic. Um, the best way to rid, if you have a genetic potential toward, uh, it's called hemochromatosis if you don't already know it, um, but if you have that genetic potential, then the best way to lower your iron is just to go and donate your blood. So, so do that, um, but understanding that it is really important to know your iron levels. And also there's a, uh, in a cardiometabolic panel, there's a, a lab called GGT. GGT can also be important in understanding where your iron is and if it's, if it's elevated, if it's oxidized and creating more of a problem, which could lead to cardiovascular risk factors. So it's iron and ferritin that are two of those, ferritin being a um, uh, acute phase reactant. It's acute phase reactant, which means, you know, if, it's, if, if there, there are a number of these that are, that are considered acute phase reactants. They can be higher, they can be lower. Um, so for ferritin, if it's elevated, it's it's considered a problem, and it's you want to you want to address it immediately. You want to understand why ferritin is is elevated. Um, okay, so making sure you keep your your levels in check. Um, I forgot I got to take another break. We got to talk about our other sponsor, Zymogen. So Zymogen is a great company. I use them all the time. I don't use just one company um, because they all have uh, all the professional lines that I use because that's what I use. They're all professional, but they have things that I need for different clients because everybody's unique. We're all different, and so I go in and I pick and choose what I need. But Zymogen being one of those who are they're amazing at what they do because they won't put out products um, that aren't backed by science that they haven't studied and that has. Um, and, and if it you know comes off the line and there's anything wrong with it, they won't put it out there. And there it is, Zymogen. <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Uh, so it's, it is a, a amazing company. You cannot find them on Amazon and eBay. I, wouldn't, I tell you not to buy your supplements on Amazon or eBay because um, they're not often not the right supplements, not the same thing, which can be seriously damaging. So... Great company. You can go to my website and click on the link um, and put in the code RADIO5 for a discount. And um, you can check out all the products they have. They have products for pretty much all parts of the body. So check them out. It's good stuff. Um, I am a huge fan. Okay. So when it comes to diet and lifestyle, one of the things that we want to make sure, and we did we hit on this a little bit, but making sure that we're balancing our omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids. We have to have both. But in life... When we eat too much processed food, we're eating, you know, non, you know, uh, you know, cows and you know other animals that are not fully pastured, not a hundred percent pastured. They're taken off and they're given things that are not good for them, so it increases their omega six, which is going to increase our omega six when we eat them. So we have this, a lot of it's this chronic um, fire that's just constantly burning, this inflammation that creates really, really huge problems like cardiovascular disease, like heart attacks, like strokes, right? Um, that, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're keeping our inflammation down. So we want to check our essential fatty acids. We always want to know where omega-3s and omega-6s are. Um, and so you get those from fish, good, healthy, smaller fish, salmon, anchovies, artichokes, think smash, um, salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring are your best sources. They're small. They don't hold on to a lot of the toxins like your big fish like tuna do. Um, Staying away from the oils, stay away from canola oil, cottonseed oil, corn oil. Um, those are those are highly inflammatory. Make sure your D's in the right place. You also want to make sure that your K2, K2 is super important for cardiovascular disease. You don't want to take vitamin D for a longer time without taking it with K2. Okay, so when I put people on vitamin D, I raise their levels quickly, and then I switch them over to a, an ADEK supplement, so all of the fat-soluble nutrients together because they work in harmony together. Um, getting good sleep, getting good regular exercise, not pushing yourself too much, but not moving, uh, but not, not moving. <laughs> um, so move, you know, if you sit at a desk all day, get up. Get up, move around, do some jumping jacks, do some sit-ups, move the body. It's meant to move, okay? 
Magnesium, huge. So many of us are deficient in magnesium, and it's so important for, for multiple uh, biochemical processes, but also for um, cardiovascular health. We have to have magnesium, and we're, we're all very deficient. So knowing where that is, making sure you're get it, getting it, and making sure you're getting the right form. Um, there are multiple forms. Um, you can do a citrate. It's going to help with the cardiovascular system, um, but it also is going to pull water into the bowels, and um, it'll loosen the stools up, which is a good thing, too, because you get to a point where they're a little bit loose. You know you're at your point, so you're, you're getting the amount that you need. So there are other forms. We don't need to get into that right now, but other forms do different things. Magnesium is super important. Be sure that you're getting enough of it. Um, you know, I think we hit this enough. We talked about inflammation. So, But there are things like um, hyperinsulinemia. Say that 10 times or even two times. <laughs> um, so this is an excess of insulin in the blood um, triggered by diet high in carbohydrates. We don't need high carbohydrate diets. We're not meant to eat high carbohydrate diets. Now, some people need more carbs and some people need less. This all depends on genetics, right? So um, knowing your genetics and knowing what, what your body needs is is can be a big deal when it comes to, to knowing the food that you need. I am a I'm a low protein, low fat, low carb. I eat protein, I eat fat, and I eat little. I eat, I eat carbs. All my carbs mostly come from vegetables. My husband is high fat, high protein, lower carb, um, and so he still eats lots of vegetables. Though um, we keep uh, we keep you know the breads and the pastas to a minimum. I mostly do that. He's still a bread pasta guy, but we try to keep him as healthy as we can. Right? Okay. Let's see, we hit on that. Uh, we talked, I think we talked enough about vegetable oil, um, understanding that it is excessively atherogenic um, and, and toxic and inflammatory. Okay, so again, no canola oil. Please, no canola oil. If you have it in your house, throw it away. Don't use it up, just throw it away. Okay, uh, very, very important to know. So, we're kind of at the end of our time. Um, I want to reiterate that this is purely maybe to give you more questions to get answered, right? It's for your knowledge. It's for your information. You make your decisions. You be your own advocate. Um, read the books. Get this book, The Great Cholesterol Myth. It's an awesome, awesome book, okay? Um, it's up to us to do the best we can for our bodies. And when we do the best we can for our bodies, it moves on to our families and onto our communities. We need to pay attention to that because we need healthy communities. Um, I, you know, I feel like we're slipping a little bit. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of the, the functional medicine world as a functional nutritionist. Um, and so we're, we're, you know, really starting to push, uh, you know, uh, the awareness and the accountability and then digging for answers instead of just covering up with a drug. And again, drugs sometimes are good, but not all the time. So um, it's always, uh, almost always in our best interest to look at lifestyle factors first or drugs for, for a short period of time as you start to alter lifestyle factors and then hopefully you can wean yourself off depending on what it is. Um, you know, allopathic medicine is amazing for acute care. It is amazing for acute care. People live through heart attacks and strokes because of allopathic medicine and the drugs um, and uh, the, 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 the amazing, uh, you know, steps forward that we take when it comes to acute care. But then managing chronic conditions is a little bit of a different story. Um, this is where functional medicine, functional nutrition shines. So um, again, if you ever have, even if there are topics that you want me to cover, post them in the in the Facebook page because I would love to hear if you have questions, if there's a way that you, if there's something that I can do to help, um, then you know, post them. Uh, you know, my website's tastelifenutrition.com. It's taste life nutrition on all the social media. Um, we have the Supercharge Your Immune System Challenge coming up. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's October 5th. And uh, we will, uh, I'll be on the show with Dr. Lynn and Dr. Sam tomorrow at 2.30. Um, and we'll be talking about the program some more there. So 
go to the link, sign up. Um, thank you for joining me. This is, a, again, a topic near and dear to my heart, and I think it's an important one to, to talk about um, as much as we can. So I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful weekend. Thanks.